0: Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield, and hard to believe this is the last report that we're going to be doing for 2023, and that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. It's just like, why can't we get to the month of January? Let's get moving on with these markets. We had such an amazing discussion before we even started this program. I'm excited to bring you guys all along on the trip. So stick around, because we've got a lot to look at on this week's episode.
1: Meet the champions of
2: innovation in the heart of Nebraska. They're not just farmers, and they nurture more than just crops, pushing boundaries and turning challenges into opportunities. They trade knowledge and know-how, and their dedication doesn't end at harvest. It's in your every bite and every drive. The future of food, fuel, and fiber, and the future of Nebraska, starts right here.
0: Well, welcome back once again. As you can see, Heather Ramsey joins us. She is with the ARC Group, and Darren Fessler joins us with Lakefront Futures. And, and both of you guys, um, I wanted to start out the fact that here we are—the last trading day as we record this has taken place. Markets have settled out for the day. We've got a three-day holiday weekend, and then, thank God, it's January. Kind of give me your thoughts and your feels. I mean, because Heather, you made the comment when we were just chatting before the program was—can't we just get to the month of January?
2: Yeah, it has definitely felt like we're waiting for that shoe to drop, essentially to turn the calendar over for basically the last three weeks, at least. Um, When you put in these shortened weeks back to back and you uh, as, as in my desk, anyways, I'm legitimately reading news stories, headlines that include the tagline that like reduce volume due to holiday. And I started seeing those headlines basically the first of December. Mm -hmm. And uh, we joke in my office, wait, how do I get a job like that and just phone it in for the next three weeks. But And the volume been extremely low. Um, I mean, volatility is still there, which it's easy to keep volatility in when you have minimal contracts getting traded. I think um, I think I was looking today and maybe all of 80,000 contracts trade in the front months. And, you know, that's nothing um, when we look at what kind of a regular basis looks like. So we're just seeing reduced trading. We're seeing. Uh, people not interested in taking huge positions. Uh, Darren and I were talking about this earlier. You, you know, they've done a good job making money this year if you're the managed funds. So, like, let's not screw up a good thing. And that was, um, basically how it has felt. I would argue, honestly, you could even say for months here, um, the last two, two and a half months, just kind of coasting from that managed money standpoint. And I know that farmers in the ag community kind of loves to hate on managed money, but Their volume is what makes us and takes our markets in certain directions and gives those opportunities. So we have to give them a little bit of love. We kind of want them to come back around right now, maybe get us out of this funk we're kind of in. But they've just been kind of non-existent for the last uh, several weeks, for sure.
0: Darren, I see you kind of shaking your head in agreement. Are you ready for January to get here and kind of a quote unquote fresh start for these markets?
1: yeah absolutely i am i mean it seems like the last three months has been just dead in the water really yeah but i mean like heather said i mean the the managed money side of things has provided so many opportunities in 23 and i think that if you look back the last few years so 2020 21 22 you 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 came off of some really good levels and guys were maybe hesitant to maybe sell because you know if you look at those three years it didn't. It it paid to hold corn, and then going in twenty three, where you had maybe these higher prices again. And hey, you know what? It it's it's paid to hold on the corn. Maybe some had missed that boat, but man, it was the managed money side of things that really got things rock and rolling this summer. Gave another opportunity in late July, and it it's just been down south since. So, but yeah, it, hopefully they change tune. But really, it comes down to fundamentals or the technical side of things to really change the needle, I think, from the managed side.
0: All right. This is where I'm going to sit back and let this conversation go, because give me your guys' feel. You were talking before we started this program on managed money and what it means in this marketplace.
2: Well, I'll I'll just say quickly, I think that... um... There's a cycle. There's an ebb and flow to how, in my opinion, how managed money looks at the market and the timing um, during the year. Um, you know, we mentioned it's been really quiet for the last, you know, few weeks to a couple months. You know, it's end of the year. Year end is approaching. You know, why mess up a good thing? Um, so obviously, I think turning the calendar page here from a cycle standpoint, like where are we? There's a willingness to kind of dig in again, I guess, so to speak. Um, one thing I really become more attuned to, I, I'm not a huge government report fan to begin with, um, but other people use that as their indicators of, you know, when should I look at investments? Or like what what should the direction sort of be? And I really kind of equate um, weather as a great example. Uh, when you look at our weather in the northern hemisphere, when we're starting to see farmers in boots on the ground kind of talk about their issues that exist from spring through summer, we don't generally see managed money take hold of those headlines um, and trade them unless it is extremely severe. And then that's still about a two, three week, sometimes a month delay from when we see them trade it versus when we first start hearing people talk about it. But in a lot of cases, we don't see them trade those um, reports, whether it's Drought Mm -hmm. or surplus. Right. We don't see them trade that till the government has released a report that has really told them for sure what's going on out in the country. So if you look at that from a northern hemisphere timing standpoint, it can really give you an idea of the time frame you should be paying attention from a southern hemisphere standpoint, you know, for the last Two months solid. We've been hearing nothing but, you know, headlines and news about the Stroud in Brazil. Unfortunately, we're not in a time frame here where this is known information just yet. Uh, so I really don't look to see uh, traders, headline traders, really get on board with that until a report can come out that tells them definitively, as definitive as you can get with a USDA report, um, what is going on in South America. And I think that's really interesting too because there are expert agencies out of Brazil giving you wildly different numbers than what the USDA is currently saying. But again, this is US fund managers, money traders, all of that, and they're looking for a reassurance out of a report that they trust And I don't really see that being till we're solidly into harvest if not post harvest in South America. Um, And so there's talk about delays here um, in harvesting. That could be Feb, March, April. It could be April, May, June before we really see reports that reflect if this drought has really affected numbers. So from a cycle standpoint, you kind of got to feel out, you know, where northern versus southern hemisphere falls and kind of what we're looking for. you know, from a trader mentality, a manage money mentality, what's the, the information that they're looking for?
0: What do you think, Darren?
1: Yeah, those are all great points. I, I, I'm trying to think of it maybe a little bit differently, and I'm, I'm looking at it from the early stuff that was planted in Brazil, so the late September, October stuff. Uh, th- those crops got smoked pretty good. But the stuff that was planted mid-November on, which was over, four, I think it was 43% mid-November on, is looking good. And, and considering that Mato Grosso is 1.3 times the size of Texas, six times the size of Iowa, it, it's a huge area. And it's, mm-hmm. so, what we see on social media, the videos, the pictures, is it the worst of the worst? Because that seems what the market likes to gravitate towards at times. Because Brazil is such a large country, I think we're having a hard time. You know, okay, we got maybe this 50, 40, 50% that's maybe kind of wish washy and some of it's really bad. But this other 40%, if we get these rains, boy, it could be, still be good. And we're so heavily focused on Brazil is X number, X number, and we're having record year after record yield. We forget that Argentina is coming off a really bad drought. There's 20, 25 million metric tons expected year-over-year increase. Even if Brazil's down 15 and Argentina's up 20, you negate it. And then what's, what's the year-over-year Chinese demand look like for beans? And and so I, I look at it from the global macro perspective is China's – Economy is very wishy-washy at best, and so they really say, "Hey, you know what? If even if Brazil's down a little bit, if Argentina is there, does it really move the needle in a, in a big way here?" So I, I that's where I think this, where the the bulls and the bears are going to have a conflict here. And the managed money just like, you know, we're just going to sit back until something happens. We have CONAB here on uh, January tenth. We'll see what they have to say. usda is going to say what they have to say, and. Go from there. But I think that managed money is very comfortable. The technical pattern is the head, head and shoulders on the March contract. Typically associated with bearish, bearishness, the momentum, and the trend is still lower. And, and, and it's like a lot of people say, the trend's your friend and the, th- the funds are riding it lower.
0: Well, as we get ready to uh, wrap up 2023, kind of want to have you guys both. And I'm going to start with you, Darren. And This came from a, a viewer. What do you see as the biggest livestock highlight of 2023?
1: the way that the cash market had traded just it was an incredible move um it was just like nothing could break cash cattle until the cattle on feet i think that was the huge turning point for cattle where we had all of a sudden the narrative earlier on in 23 was where's this cattle and all of a sudden boom we hit the cattle and hit a brick wall and it never looked back and and but I do think that where those negativities have really hit cattle hard you look at the back half of 24 I think things could be really positive but it's definitely that cattle on feed and definitely the cash prices that we've seen on some feeders.
0: All right Heather for you as you look at the grains what was your highlight? Um, I, I'm going to go a little bit more
2: of a, a production route with this. And as much as my job is marketing, I just have to really give a a lot of praise to our farmers that we work with, because I think 23 could have been at least in our neck of the woods um, in Nebraska, an absolute disaster. Um, weather was just nothing favorable for anybody. And even my dry land guys, I feel like they work their tails off year in and year out to make that fertility and that, you know, possibility of production um, really as high level as they can make it. And so I think the work that our farmers that I work with and others in the state, have done leading up to this point around soil management, you know, overall soil health, um, fertility, all of that is really, really impressive. Um, This is the kind of year and weather pattern that, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, was an absolute devastation, and so I think, um for me, it's the it's the overall production. And I was just impressed. Um, we do a lot of when we have drought type situations, we do a lot of preemptive worst case scenario planning, you know, what happens if we only raise you know, 15 bushel dry land beans, you know, what happens if on the corn side? And thankfully none of those panned out, none of those worst case scenarios mm-hmm. panned out for us. And so I think that that has a lot to do with my clients and their management practices. Those aren't things that I have any control over. Um, and I just feel like so thankful that we've got such great farmers. Unfortunately, then we, you know, we do see that when production comes in better than everyone's telling us. But um, I think those are good things, Good. Um, good sort of, um, what I want to say, like rebalancing of what reality looks like. So much of us have lived in the, oh my gosh, it's another 2012. And I really look at it like, uh, nope, we've got 2023 to prove what we can do in this, you know, decade. So going forward, that gives us a lot more comfort, I think, in, in the ways that we manage risk when weather gets involved. And it's really important to, to make sure that we're all living and focusing in reality and not in just a, a fearful state when it comes to executing our risk management plans.
0: Well, great, great conversation with both of you guys. And we wish you a wonderful, happy new year and looking forward to seeing where these markets take us in 24. Thanks, Susan. Happy new year, Susan. All right, just a quick reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.